So this morning, we want to turn our focus once again uh, to the parables of Jesus. And this morning, as you heard, uh, we are going to be in Luke uh, chapter 12, looking at the parable of the rich fool. Um, you know, these stories are amazing tools that Jesus uses in his teaching. He uses these things called parables, these stories, stories with intent to communicate God's divine truth to us in a really memorable fashion. And, and today's story is no exception. You know, some of Jesus's parables are invitations. Uh, last week, we looked at the parable of the, the treasure and the parable of the pearl. And that was really an invitation to value a relationship with God above anything else in the world. Um, but some of Jesus's parables we find are more like warnings. And today's parable falls into that warning category. Uh, if you come back next week, whether in person or via live stream, we're going to continue the live stream, um, even though we're meeting in person again. Um, next week's parable actually falls into both categories. It's a warning and an invitation. So we'll see that as we look next week at the parable of the ten virgins. So uh, today's parable, though, uh, the parable of the rich fool definitely falls into the warning category. And now, uh, growing up on a farm, I was taught from an early age that you have to be careful uh, around dangerous things, okay? And, and by nature, I'm going to show you a couple slides here. By nature, a farm is a dangerous place to live, a dangerous place to grow up. Uh, in fact, it's an occupation that just has inherent risks within it. And so part of my growing up was seeing warning labels such as these ones that I'm going to show you. So I would look at these warning labels. You know, there's heavy equipment. Uh, moving parts, wild livestock, you know, there were just a lot of ways you, you could get hurt on the farm. And so we would see signs like this, this machine starts automatically. And I'd look at those pictures and I'd say, wait, is it possible for my fingers to get stretched in that position? Um, or I'd look at, at ones like this and, and here's one that warns about heavy objects. And I'd, I'd say, what's going to happen if that thing actually falls on the guy? Um, or here's, here's the one that really would catch my attention. It's talking about PTO shafts or rotating shafts. And I would think, is it really possible to get wrapped around a pole like that? Well, you know, these, these, uh, warning labels almost look a little humorous to us sometimes, but they really, um, really communicate something important that when you're working on a farm, when you're working around the, this heavy equipment, there's just a certain level of danger that is present. In fact, uh, there's a lot of examples I could share with you of guys who, uh, of people who didn't take that danger seriously and got either seriously injured or even in a couple of cases uh, killed by the equipment. And so uh, Jesus tells us a story this morning that's like a warning label, if you will. He says there is a certain kind of danger that's attached to this idea of money and possessions. When it comes to money and possessions, there's just a certain kind of danger that is present. It's like he gives us a warning through this story. Um, he says, if you have to interact with money or with possessions, you need to realize that there's just some kind of danger that goes along with it. And last time I checked, folks, every single human being that lives has to interact with money and possessions. And so we need to realize we are interacting with something that can become dangerous because of what it does to our hearts. You know, there's, this is a teaching, as we're going to see this morning, that's really taught throughout Scripture. And the saints of old have recognized the danger as well. Basil the Great uh, says this. He says, greed and wealth are similar to alcoholism. When you get a taste... You want another taste and you keep going back for more and more and more and more until it ends up destroying you. 
There's a movie, uh, many of you may have seen this movie, Fiddler on the Roof, and uh, the hero of that story is this older guy named Tevia, right? And he uh, he's actually a poor man, and the whole movie is him kind of talking about how he longs to have money or to have enough to live off of. And there's one quote in there that I love, and he says, uh, money is the world's curse. May the Lord smite me with it, and may I never recover. <laughs> so this is what the this poor guy says, and um, you know, it's interesting when you look at the title of this parable, the parable of the rich fool, you might think, oh, well, I'm not rich. So I suppose that parable is for rich people. Um, but I think when you hear quotes like from that poor man and, and fiddler on the roof, um, or you look at this parable this morning, you realize that the temptation to be drawn astray by riches is not a temptation just for rich people. And it's not a temptation just for poor people. There's something about the way humans are wired that this is a dangerous hazard for any person. And so that's what we want to look at this morning, uh, is this, this idea that it's a heart issue. For some reason, um, we as humans are tempted, we are led astray by the devil to fall into the trap of valuing riches uh, more than valuing the Creator. So let's look at the, the parable this morning and, and kind of we want to talk just for a second about what is the context of this parable? What's the context of what's going on here in Luke chapter 12 uh, as Jesus tells this story? And Luke 12 is really, it's kind of right dead center in the book of Luke and, uh, and, and there's a lot of stuff in chapter 12. But what one thing that I did find interesting on both sides of this parable uh, this, this chapter, Jesus talks a lot about possessions. He talks about anxiety. He talks about uh, value. And, 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 and on the front side of the parable, in verses 6 and 7, Jesus talks about birds. <laughs> this is interesting. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Okay, so he talks about how God values us and wants to take care of us. Okay, so that's on the front side of the parable. Well, let's look down to verse um, 24. This is right after the parable. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have, ne- have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? So those are kind of the two little things about birds that surround this parable. And you say, well, what's the deal? Why would he tell a story about riches and wealth in the middle of that? I think part of what Jesus is getting at in this chapter is that we are so worried about how we're going to take care of ourselves. And not just today, if we get today covered, then let's think about tomorrow. And if we get tomorrow covered, then we should think about maybe the next 30 years and we should plan out our retirement so that we never have to worry one single day of our life about where our provisions are going to come from. And I think Jesus is trying to tell us through this parable and through this chapter that we place our allegiance, our security, our loyalty oftentimes in the wrong things. And that's a hazard that can lead our soul astray. Another word about the context, uh, the first parable we looked at was the parable of the sower and the seed. And so back in Matthew 13, verse 22, put this on the screen, it says this, As for what was sown among the thorns... This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So this is what Jesus reminds us of. He says that as you hear my word, there are certain things that will make the word ineffective. And guess what? One of the major ones that he points out in Matthew 13 is 
the deceitfulness of riches. There's just something inherently deceitful about wealth that pulls us in and can pull us away from Jesus. It's a real hazard. Um, one other thing, just before the parable, where, why does Jesus actually tell this parable? Well, we find him in Luke 12, 13 through 15, again, having an interaction with the crowd. And so let's read these verses and see what precedes his, parable, his telling of this parable. So Luke 12, verses 13 through 15, it says this, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable. So what's going on here is these people come to Jesus and basically say, uh, we're having an, a dispute over an estate about how we're going to divide up the inheritance from our parents. And we want you to figure it out for us because we just can't get along with it. Um, I actually have... Uh, uh, a friend who's an estate attorney, a state planning attorney. And she said, Marcus, if it wasn't for the attorney client privileges, I could tell you story after story of just tragedy when families start fighting over the wealth and over the inheritance. And what that is, 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 is just a symptom of where our hearts are and where our hope lies. Uh, and especially that hope of getting an inheritance from maybe from parents. And so that's the setting into which Jesus says, let me tell you this parable. You all are struggling with this idea of I want my share. I want my money. I need it. And Jesus says, let me tell you a parable. But before he says that, he says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So that kind of gives us a hint to where he's going. And that phrase is kind of repeated again immediately after the parable in verse 23. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. So Jesus says, you all need to understand this truth. That's what he says to the crowd there. That's what he says to you this morning. You need to understand this truth and understand the danger that wealth poses. Um, and, and he even says that to me. Marcus, you need to understand this. And so this morning, as we kind of look at this parable and walk through it, there's a simple question we want to ask. Uh, what was the rich man's error? What was the rich man's error? And if you see, you uh, hopefully you were able to access the bulletin online and print this out. This is part of the outline that's in your bulletin for you this morning. Uh, but what was the rich man's error? And I used to uh, think about this as a kid growing up, especially if you read verses 17 and 18 of this parable. You might think, well, what's the big deal? What's he doing wrong here? Uh, verse 16, it says, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. He had a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And so you read that and you might say, well, good for him. He had a good good crop, a good harvest. I mean, that's what every farmer wants. Uh, everyone wants to have a good year in their career. Um, and he says, I don't have room for it, so I'm going to tear these things down and build bigger ones to hold all the grain that has been uh, provided. And that doesn't actually sound bad, does it? it all, in fact, I think most of us would say that sounds like good a good business plan, a good business plan. Now, let me show you a picture, okay? So this is uh, two pictures from Google Maps uh, that I took just this week of the farm where I grew up, okay? So this is what I grew up with. Uh, if you can see this picture, this is not a great shot. It's just from the Google car driving by the farm. 
You can see there the barn, uh, the, the grain silos, the grain bins, uh, and just the other buildings there on the property. Uh, here's an aerial photo of it uh, from Google Earth. Um, and you can see all the different buildings and barns uh, and, and grain bins. And I still remember when I was a kid, I would read this parable and I would think, if my dad builds a new grain bin, like, is he, is he violating this? Like, is he doing something wrong? Um, and the reality is no. Again, what the man says in verses 17 and 18, for the most part, don't reveal anything wrong. It's just a plan of what you would do with your business. Uh, if you need more space, you expand and, and build more space. So what was the rich man's error? The answer is this. He sought security through his possessions and his wealth. He found his security through his possessions and his wealth. And how do I know that? Well, there's really two things. Look at verse 19. So what he says in verse 19 is the major key here. And he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, he's saying, um, I've provided for myself. I'm dependent on myself. Did you notice? Here's the other reason we know that he kind of had his heart in the wrong place. Back in verses 17 and 18, did you notice how many times he says, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will store all my my grain and my goods. You notice how many times he says I and me and my um, very focused on himself, very reliant on himself. And I think what we see here is that he is finding his security in his wealth and possessions. He says, because I have all these things. I'm good. In fact, he's talking to himself in the third person, right? He says, soul, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. You've done real well for yourself. Why don't you just enjoy this? Now that verse 19 can make some of us squirm a little bit, right? Because in some ways we would say, well, that's what I'm trying to do with my retirement. I'm trying to save up so that I can relax and say to myself, you've done well for yourself. Just relax now. Eat, drink, and be merry. And I think what Jesus tells us is that if we place our security and our hope in anything other than him, our heart is in the wrong place. So this rich man sought security through his possessions and his wealth. It was really idolatry. He was worshiping the possessions that he had, placing all his hope in them, all his trust in them. And what we see here is that it's a false hope. Look at verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So this man had a false hope, a counterfeit hope, if you will. And I think what Jesus is reminding us of in this parable and throughout all his teaching is that the only true hope we can have is in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is our only hope in life and in death. And this man who trusted in his security, uh, trusted in his wealth, um, made a grave error, made a grave error. So it's easy to say, okay, what's this man's error? What's the simple question is, what was his error? Well, he sought his security and his wealth and possessions. We can see what it was, but here's a not so simple question. Because this is where the rubber meets the road for us, okay? This is not so simple. The question is this, how can we avoid this same error? Because it's easy to point the finger at him and say, what a fool, you know? Fool, idiot. Can't believe he did that. He thought he was providing for himself. And yet, 
I think Jesus is telling us, he's telling the crowd in, in Luke 12, that this is something that every human struggles with. Because see, rich people, if you look at somebody who's rich, um, they might be consumed with hoarding more and more and taking in more things and just living in luxury. He's very self-focused. But the same is actually true of people who don't have possessions. They're focusing on how can I get more or longing for more, coveting, if you will, one of the Ten Commandments. And so this is a major trap, a major counterfeit hope uh, that many people have. So how do we avoid this error? I think we have to recognize that the counterfeit that's out there, the counterfeit hope, and then find our security in Christ alone. We just sang that song, in Christ alone. Uh, and and uh, that's really the message of, of Scripture. Our hope is in Christ alone. So beware of the counterfeiting. Here's a picture of some counterfeit bills. The thing about counterfeits are that they look a lot like the real thing. But in the end, they don't really work out, do they? Um, they don't work out. They don't provide what you need. And the same is true when we have counterfeit hopes. These things look like they can provide for us. Wealth looks like it can satisfy our needs. We can give a lot of energy to it. And yet, in the end, it doesn't really work out, God tells us. Placing our hope in Him alone is the only way we will find satisfaction. Really, Jesus is uh, picking up on a theme that goes throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, this theme, of it's kind of a warning against beware of the counterfeit, the counterfeit hopes that we as humans like to place our trust in. And one of those major counterfeits is in wealth and possessions. I want to just walk through a handful of scriptures from the Old Testament uh, that kind of teach this. And what I think we're going to see in each one of these is is a trap, something that has to do with riches, a trap that we can fall into, a trap that can snare us. Um, and then what I hope we see is that freedom can be found uh, through pursuing God alone. So Deuteronomy, this is back in, in the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, immediately after the Israelites were set free from Egypt, uh, God uh, brings them into the promised land after a period of time. And, uh, and he says to them after they arrive or after they move into the promised land, he says this, Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So what we see there in Deuteronomy, all the way back, Old Testament, very beginning of the Bible, in the law, as we see the trap that people can fall into when it comes to possessions and wealth, is forgetfulness. We forget who provided it for us. It's a trap we need to avoid. And so it's so easy, uh, as the rich man in our story did, to say, self, you're pretty amazing. You know, you've done a great job. And he just goes on and on about I and me and my and everything's about him. He forgets who provided it. Well, what's the antidote? How do we find freedom from this trap? And I would say it's through thankfulness. Freedom is found through thankfulness. Um, and we see that in Deuteronomy 8. Um, you shall remember the Lord your God. In other words, remember to thank him for what he's provided for you. So we find freedom from this trap of forgetfulness, this trap of self-reliance through thankfulness. And so uh, that's one of the traps. Uh, we want to skip ahead. Really, the, the Old Testament is divided into 
three sections, the law, the prophets, and the writings. So I want to give you another one uh, from the writings, from the book of Psalms. And there's a lot in Proverbs that deal with wealth, um, but also one here from the book of Psalms. And Psalm 49 uh, is really a great psalm to, to challenge your perspective on wealth and on how you see the possessions that God has given you. In fact, one of the things that, that God's pointing out in Psalm 49 is the temporary nature of wealth and of possessions. Uh, which is something that the rich fool discovered uh, in Luke chapter 12. Uh, Psalm 49 verse 16 says this, Be not afraid when a man becomes rich, when the glory of his house increases. For when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. So church, this is something important to remember, um, that the wealth and possessions that we have in life are temporary. Um, I heard a speaker say one time, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, have you? Because uh, you can't take your possessions with you to the grave. When you die, they go to someone else. Wealth is temporary. That's one of the big teachings of Old Testament and New Testament alike, that God says, remember these possessions, these things you're working to accumulate are temporary. What is not temporary is your soul and your eternal future. Uh, with God, if you know him. So the trap here, I think, that we fall into uh, on earth uh, as we look at our possessions is this idea of hoarding them. The rich fool hoarded his possessions, just like the person in Psalm 49, hoarded all these wealth and things and stacked them up to get as many as they could. And God says, you fool. They're temporary. So how do we get freedom from this idea of hoarding and greediness? Um, freedom comes, I think, through an eternal perspective, through the eternal hope, remembering that our hope is in Christ alone and remembering that this world is not all there is. Our time on this earth is temporary. And God says what you do on this earth affects how you will experience eternity. So freedom comes through this eternal perspective, this eternal hope, which we know we can find through Christ alone and placing your faith in Christ alone. That's an important piece of this puzzle. But we want to skip ahead to the New Testament. Here's some words straight from Jesus again. So this is Matthew 6, 24. And this is another kind of a warning state from, statement from Jesus. Uh, Jesus says uh, to, to people, uh, to the crowd, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So this is, uh, Matthew 6 is actually kind of the parallel passage to Luke 12. There's a lot of the same, uh, statements and concepts in the, in these two chapters. And so, um, but what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6 is, he's asking the question, who's your master? Who are you serving? Who are you serving? And I think the trap we see here is misplaced loyalty. Misplaced loyalty. Many of us, when it comes to wealth, find ourselves serving the wrong master. We serve the wrong master. And uh, and how do we get freedom from this? Well, I would say that freedom from this trap, freedom from this trap comes through a relationship with the right master, with the loving master, with the good shepherd. That's how we gain freedom from this trap. It's through a relationship with the master. You know, Jesus is really talking about discipleship here in Matthew 6, 24. Um, you cannot serve both God and money. He says, serve God. 
and you will experience satisfaction beyond your wildest dreams. So that's the question as we think about wealth, and as we look at some of these passages, who is your master this morning? Who is your master? One more passage from the New Testament. Uh, again, this is just a theme that recurs throughout all of Scripture. And Jesus tells us this parable to kind of drive it home in a memorable way. But 1 Timothy uh, verses six, chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, it says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. It's a pretty dark picture. Uh, anyone out there that's watching or in this room that's that says, I desire to be rich, I mean, I can raise my hand. I think that's fairly common among humans. We desire to have more things. But it says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare. It's that picture of a trap. You know, on our farm uh, where we're living right now, we have some chickens. And, and one night, uh, a, chi- uh, a raccoon or something got into the, into the chicken house and, and took away a few chickens. So what did we do? Well, we baited a trap. And uh, we put something in there that we thought the raccoon would find attractive. And uh, sure enough, the next day, it wasn't a raccoon. It ended up being a possum. Went into the trap to try to get the, the bait, and he was trapped. Game over. Those who desire to be rich fall into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires. And then the next verse, 1 Timothy 6, verse 10, says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. See, I think this morning we have to ask ourselves, and Jesus wants us to ask ourselves from this parable, what is it that you love? What is it that you love? But actually a better question is, who do you love? Because I think as humans, we were actually made to love someone, not something. We were made to love someone, not something. And so when we pursue things and wealth and possessions, that means that we are leaving behind a greater thing, a greater person, the one who created us. So the trap there is misplaced love. And I think we gain freedom from that trap by loving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we gain freedom through our relationship and our love of Christ. You know, we've been asking this not-so-simple question. How do we avoid the error that the rich man had? How do we avoid the same error? I think the first step is to realize that this is a danger thing. You know, I I mentioned to you earlier all those uh, pictures of danger on the farm. Most people, when they get into an an injury or into a situation where something bad happens with heavy equipment, it's not because um, uh, they were being stupid and and said, oh, that's not dangerous. It's because they got used to it. They got very accustomed to it and didn't remember that it was dangerous anymore. I think we fall into that same trap with wealth. We are around money and around things so much that we forget this is a danger. So we have to recognize the error. And then I think the answer we see from this parable What Jesus says at the end of this parable is really just a simple truth. That's the beautiful thing about these parables is they are simple stories with simple truths. And the truth is this. Focus your life on pursuing God, not wealth. That's what Jesus wants us to take away from this story. 
so much of our time and our energy is based on getting the right things or the right paycheck or the right job. And God says, focus your life on pursuing me, not on things. It's a relationship. How do we pursue God? Well, it comes through Jesus Christ, through what he did on the cross for us. Because see, apart from Christ, we're going to be pursuing all kinds of counterfeit things, whether it be wealth, whether it be pleasure, uh, all sorts of things that we think will give us satisfaction. And God says, those are all counterfeits. The one thing you can pursue that will satisfy you forever is me. A relationship with me. And that is only through what Jesus Christ did for us. But we have to ask ourselves, we still live in a world where we have to interact with wealth. So how does that look? What does that look like? What does it look like to pursue God and not wealth? Uh, one scholar named uh, Snod, uh, Klein Snodgrass said this. The first question regarding discipleship is what one does with his or her money. So what you see here is when Jesus teaches us about this subject is he says, this is a big indicator of how serious you are about following me with your life. You may have trusted me, but now how serious are you about walking with me the rest of your life? Well, one of the primary indicators is what you do with your wealth and with your possessions. Uh, look a little later in the chapter. What does this look like? Luke 12, verse 33. Uh, this is Jesus speaking again to his to the crowd. He says this. Sell your possessions, give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus kind of says the exact same thing. And in, in, in Matthew six thirty three, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Um, it was the message that we saw last week in our parable. Uh, seek God's kingdom. Pursue him. Invest in God's kingdom. So what does that look like? Um, what you see Jesus saying here, when it comes to your possessions, that looks like generosity. Sharing with people, with ministry that needs it. Invest in others. Invest in God's kingdom. The thing we saw the rich fool doing was investing in himself. It was all about I, 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 me, me, mine. And God says, a follower of Christ has a radically different view of what they do with their possessions. They see that their possessions are there to invest in God's kingdom, not in self. Back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, it says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Instead, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So the solution to this temptation, to this trap, is to pursue a relationship with God. That's what's described in 1 Timothy 6. That's what's described in Luke chapter 12. I just want us to see one more thing here at the end of the parable. Verse 21, Jesus says this, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, that's an important phrase because I think that kind of captures the, the last thing that Jesus says in this parable captures where he's going with this. It is a warning, but kind of that last line is, here's an invitation. You have possessions. All of you have possessions. Use those possessions to be rich toward God. Later in the chapter, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I always find it fascinating that it doesn't go the other way around. Where your heart is, 
there your treasure will be also. In fact, that's kind of a practical way for us to see this, that God says, I've given you possessions. Now put them in the right place. And guess what? Your heart's going to go to the right place as well. It doesn't happen in reverse. Back to verse 15 in Luke chapter 12. He said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You know, we live in an interesting culture because our culture says the exact opposite. Our culture tells us your life consists in the abundance of your possessions. In fact, we're going to judge you based on how much you have when you die. But God says, if you're part of my kingdom, it's a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of king. Your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Your life and your value is rooted in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray in just a second. I want to invite the worship team to come up. They're going to lead us in a closing song. Uh, We're actually going to sing this week the song, Give Me Jesus, uh, which reminds us that not riches, but Jesus alone can give us hope and satisfaction. Back to the simple truth. Focus your life on pursuing God, not wealth. Be rich toward God. And remember that your life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Use those possessions to honor God. Psalm 67 says, uh, may God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. You know, a lot of times people like to use that as a blessing, maybe even as a benediction for a, for a worship service like this. Um, but the psalm doesn't end there. It says that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. See, God blesses us and gives us possessions so that we can be a blessing to others. So let's pursue him and his kingdom with everything he gives us, including our praise. Will you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the chance to look at this word this morning. Thank you for speaking to us through this parable. And thank you for this challenge uh, to pursue you above all things and not the, the deceitfulness and the trap of riches. God, I pray that you would help each individual, myself included, uh, to fight against this snare, God, and deliver us from this evil. In your name we pray. Amen.